Well, good morning. Happy Sunday to you. Don't you love this new stage that our creative team developed? We got a new stage for a new year. I got my new preacher man shirt on this morning. It's going to be a great year, isn't it? It's a great year to make it a great year. Would you agree? And I think a great way for us to start off making this a great year is to focus on our most important relationships. And has already been noted in the announcements today, both in the venue and here in the auditorium, uh, we're starting this new series that we're titling Social. And to go along with this series each week, there will be a number of different resources for you to utilize if you would like. Today we'll have a kiosk set up by the information table for our Weekend to Remember conferences. Not our Weekend to Remember conferences, but Family Life Today puts these on. And these can be a great marriage refresh for you. It can be a little jolt if you feel like your marriage needs a jolt right now. It it could be um, something that's very helpful if your marriage is hurting right now. So those are available out by the information table. Also on our website that was noted during the announcement uh, section, uh, we have a number of different resources for uh, living as a single person faithfully to Christ and, and uh, what does it look like to have Christian friendships and to enter into community and um, a little bit of help for our parenting, certainly help for our marriage. These most vital relationships that we all know, we cannot thrive in life if these are not right. We want to do whatever we can to help equip you to thrive more in those in the coming year. You know, it's really interesting, it doesn't matter who you talk to, uh, anyone from any race, from any end of the political spectrum, anywhere on earth, any century, wants to have great relationships. No matter their faith journey, uh, no matter where they are with respect to Christ, or if you have uh, some other beliefs today, we're so glad though, that you're here at this church, and, and we want to provide practical, relevant help in this series for relationships. There's no one I've ever met that doesn't want to have better relationships. Now, unfortunately, well, we're in a place now in 2017 that we've kind of missed out on the beauty of what our relationships can be. I don't know about you, but many of us, our relationships have devolved a little bit to this little icon well within your phone. Uh, mine is labeled social. And underneath that icon, you have a number of different social media websites. And uh, some on mine include Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn, and there could be Snapchat or Instagram or whatever the latest uh, application, the latest social media website that Silicon Valley has invented. And those can be really beneficial for us for at least giving at least a taste of relationships and staying connected with people in other parts of America, other parts of the world. But we all agree, would we all agree that the social media relationships that perhaps we have, are merely an appetizer. Would you agree with that? Okay, I think we would all agree they're merely an appetizer, and maybe they can whet the appetite a little bit, but they can't be the main thing. We realize that we are made for much, much more than that, and we're now living in a time where people are more connected than they've ever been, but at the same time, we oftentimes feel more isolated than we've been in generations. Part of that is our reliance on social media. And so what we're going to do here in this series is um, ask, how can we go to ancient wisdom of the Proverbs, ancient wisdom from the Bible, 
to strengthen our modern relationships. And you'll see on the graphic in your handout this little quilt image. And a quilt kind of invokes the warmth of old-fashioned strong relationships. And we hope to do that in this series. Because while we're thankful that social media can provide some things for us, and 76% of American women are using social media regularly, and men aren't too far behind, 72% of American men are using social media regularly, and the other 25% of you are not missing out, and 2.3 billion people around the world are now using social media regularly, we all recognize that that's merely an appetizer. And so, again, what we hope to do in this series is to build on our most important relationships. Here's my conviction. We are all made, wherever you are in your faith journey, you are made in the image and likeness of God. Perhaps the greatest compliment that God could ever give to humanity is this, that he's chosen to make all men and women in his image and in his likeness. And part of that image and likeness that God has made you and everyone that you know into is this desire for rich, vibrant, stitched together relationships. Their relationships will be very, very healthy. You, you see, part of being made in his image is that God himself is a relational being. That from the very foundations of the world, before God made the earth, before he made humanity, God was in relationship with himself. You say, how can that be? What's well, this? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune God, one who, one God, three, or one what, one God, three who, three people, three persons, okay? One God, three persons in triune relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, forever in relationship well with himself. And he says, out of that love relationship though, that he has between Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he says, I'm going to make Adam and Eve in my image, in my likeness, that they would reflect the loving relationship that we have had, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that I have had, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, since the very foundations of the world. And so what God wants to do is make each of us in his image that we would reflect the beauty, the astounding beauty of this subordinate, a subservient, a submissive, loving, interrelated relationship that's always loving between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God would intend that we would have those kinds of relationships. Can you believe that? That's what he would intend for us. And we recognize that we need that with friendships. We long for better relationships in our parenting, with our parents, wherever they might be, in our communities, our life groups. And I think principally we recognize inherently intuitively, that we, we need that in our, our marriage, right? We all know that we'd like to be stitched together a little bit more in our marriage than we currently are for those of us who are married here today. If I were to ask for a show of hands, how many married folks today would say, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if I were to ask for a show of hands, how many married folks today would say that their, their marriages are thriving? How many hands would go up? And so we're going to start there. Because God invites us not just to eke it out, but he invites us to be two uh, pieces of cloth stitched together in a beautiful seam to make a beautiful quilt that reflects his glory 
and his likeness. Now, I want to say that this, mer- this message today is for anyone who is married. And I want to say this message is for anyone who hopes to be married someday. Do you, do you hope to be married someday? This message is for you. This message is for anyone who once was married and hopes that maybe someday they'll have an opportunity, God willing, to be married again. And if they get an opportunity to be married again, they want to get it right next time because they know the pain of not getting it right the first time. And this message is for anyone who knows someone who is married and would like to be a resource to that person who is married. Uh, This message is for anyone who can spell the word marriage. Who's this message for? It's for everyone, okay? It's not just for the married folks in here. This message is for all of us as the lights come on in this room. A couple weeks ago, uh, I, I spent some time, and actually a couple months ago, rather, rereading through the book of Proverbs. And uh, the, the book of Proverbs is right at the center of your Bible. And I love the book of Proverbs because it's so full of uh, pithy words of wisdom, mostly from King Solomon. And King Solomon was described as uh, the wisest man in all the world. Wouldn't you love to be described that way? And indeed, people came to him from all over the known Mediterranean world to ask for his advice on all manner of different things. And uh, King Solomon wrote a number of different psalms. He was an expert in horticulture and in biology. He was uh, a, a brilliant man in his day, and he wrote the book of Proverbs, at least most of the book of Proverbs. And one of the things that I like to do as I read through the Bible, uh, oftentimes, is to make lists as I go through. And this particular time, as I read through the book of Proverbs, I made lists of all the different times in the book of Proverbs that Solomon or one of the author other authors in the book of Proverbs noted our relationships. And I made these lists on a spreadsheet uh, related to my parenting, to my work as a father, to marriage, to friendship, to singleness. You'll see example of this on the screen right now. And it just turned into this big, beautiful spreadsheet that took up several pages of all the Proverbs has to say about our relationships. You can't take note of that right now. It's way too small. But I'm giving you an example of how I sometimes study the Bible. Because what I want you to understand is the Bible is so intensely relevant and practical for all of life. And so I did this well with the book of Proverbs. And it was incredibly stimulating to my faith and to the most valued relationships that I have. And so I took note of all these different Proverbs. And I'm going to share a number of those in this series. And one of them that just jumped out off of the page was this. Pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Pride only brings quarrels, insolence, arrogance, a haughty spirit. Pride only results in strife. It only results in two people banging heads against each other. But wisdom is found in those who have the humility to say, I need to take advice from time to time, even in my relationships. For all of us in the auditorium and everyone in the venue, let let me show you, let me say to you a prideful statement as it relates to our marriages. I'm good. I don't need any help. I I probably don't even need this series. I certainly don't need a marriage book. I certainly don't need to talk about these really sticky subjects in my life group. 
I'm good. I don't need a weekend to remember conference. I don't need a counselor or to talk to a pastor. This will just kind of work itself out. Friends, that's pride. That's pride. And that will always lead to strife. It will always lead to quarrels in our relationships. Here's wisdom. Here's wisdom. Protect your marriage by embracing the fact that it takes work. This is wisdom. Protect your marriage by embracing the fact that it takes a lot of work. Right? All the married people, can you nod your head with me so I can know you're with me? It takes a lot of work, okay? <laughs> a short time ago, I, I did a wedding for a young couple. And um, I knew from the very beginning this marriage would take a lot of work. And they didn't know it, but I knew it. And so I worked with them ahead of time, and, and they said, this is also theoretical. We really don't need this, Adrian. And, and then uh, I, I had the privilege of doing their wedding, and then I, I saw him a couple months later at the gymnasium. And I said, Raphael, his name isn't Raphael, but I'll never share anyone's name in a story um, without their permission. But Raphael, uh, how's marriage going? And his eyes got as big as baseballs. He goes, whoa, it's not as easy as I thought it would be. And I said, yeah, it takes work, doesn't it? And he said, yeah, tell me about it. I had no idea how much work it would take. Tell me about it. Exactly. I mean, ladies, if you want to make a great Sunday evening dinner for the family, it takes work, right? Gentlemen, if you want to have a nice lawn, a beautiful lawn for all the neighbors to look at and admire, it takes work, doesn't it? If you want to finish your basement, does it take some work? Well, newsflash, if you want a great marriage, it takes a lot of work. Embrace that at the very beginning. If you want anything to be great, especially something as vital and as important as marriage, it takes a whole lot of work. Crumple up and put to death and throw in the trash the idea, those people over there, they are so lucky. No, they're they're not lucky. They worked on it. Those people over there who have a great marriage, I promise you they've worked on it. And beyond that, it It makes no sense at all to compare your marriage to their marriage, my marriage to their marriage, because behind closed doors, they got some issues too, don't they? We all have some issues, so we crumple up and we throw in the trash this idea, they're so lucky they have it all together. We all embrace that it takes work, and if they happen to have a good marriage, I can promise you they worked on it. Uh, As we open up this series, I just want to say to you out of love, do you know that I love you? Do you know that I love you in this church? I do, deeply, and and I get deeply troubled by the number of marriages that I see that are falling apart here and in my previous church, and if you do not commit to working on it for the long haul, lawyers will be working on it with you. You can take that to the bank. You can take that to the bank. I've seen 100% of the time, for those who say, no, I really don't need to work on it, those who choose pride, lawyers will be working on it with you. So marriage always takes work, and and here's the reason. It always takes work because human nature is always tattered, okay? Behind us on this uh, beautiful set, I have a not-so-beautiful quilt anymore. At one time, it was very, very beautiful, but, but this is a good portrait of our 
human nature. And our human nature is like this very old quilt. And maybe you can see there's holes here, and you look carefully around each of the edges, there's these holes, and it tends to fall apart where? At the seams. It tends to fall apart where these two pieces of cloth were stitched together. And the story of human nature is that every human nature is tattered. Every human is, uh, is, not supposed, is not as we are supposed to be. Ever since the very first ancestors, Adam and Eve, we've been born in this state that we are not as we are supposed to be. And so we go back to Jesus repeatedly and we ask him for forgiveness. And we'll do that later on as we take communion together. We ask him for forgiveness, but because we all fail and we've inherited this sinful nature. And no matter where you are here today, no matter what you're the, the situation you're in with whatever relationships, there's always forgiveness at the foot of the cross. I promise you that. Okay, so please don't hear any condemnation from me. There's always forgiveness. But if we're tattered and we know that we need to be spiritually reborn in our very nature, wouldn't we also expect that that would affect our relationships? And that perhaps our relationships, as tattered as they are at the seams, you bring two pieces of cloth together and somehow we, we tend to tell our young kids that we'll, break this, we'll take this ripped piece of cloth and this ripped piece of cloth and we'll bring them together and then we'll expect there'll be two pristine pieces of cloth and it doesn't work that way does it no it just gets harder actually it just gets harder and so we embrace from the very beginning if our very nature is tattered so also our relationships will be and so we deeply need Christ and we go to him and we ask for his help and we commit to working on it. And thank God he's provided so much help to us from his word. So, what I'd like to do here for the rest of this message, after that more fiery introduction than I expected, <laughs> I'd like to suggest one word of advice for anyone who is still listening, okay? For husbands, one word of advice. And for wives, in humility, one word of advice for protecting the most beautiful gift that God has given us on earth. Ladies first. Wives, protect your marriage by propping your husband up. It's really interesting, every man that I've ever met with for marriage or pre-marriage counseling, no matter their faith background, no matter whether they've been raised by mom or dad or both, no matter whether they're conservative or liberal, whether they came from an egalitarian or a complementarian type home, uh, they all had this in common. Every man deeply wants to be respected. Every man I've ever worked with deeply longs to be respected. I've never met a man who doesn't wish to be respected. And there are so many men who didn't get this from their own fathers. So, so many men who heard from their fathers, you don't have what it takes. I really don't believe in you. I really don't have confidence in you. One man I knew heard regularly from his father on a regular basis, you're nothing but a seagull. You're good for nothing but sitting, squawking, and you could fill in the blank. That's an extreme example of a wound that one man received from his father, but, but many men, and unfortunately many women, have, have heard this in subtle and not so subtle ways from their fathers across many, many years. And when men don't feel respected like that, they just feel weak. And the truth is there are many men holding this burden as they go through life. 
And a very poorly kept secret is that many men, ladies, here's a secret, ladies, many men are deeply insecure. And, and the reason that many men are so deeply insecure oftentimes is they didn't get this confidence that a father can give to a son, but very few other people can give to a son. And so, ladies, one of the things that, that you can do is you can choose either to add to that feeling of disrespect, that feeling of, I can't make it, I can't measure up, or you can subtract from that by building them up, propping them up. And there are many women who really get this, and the result is they actively choose to be their husband's number one fan. And that's a really good way to think of it because a man really needs his wife rooting for him amidst the challenges and adventures of life and choosing to speak well of him to other people and, and thank him for the ways that he provides and he protects for the family. And when a man is respected that way by his wife, this is what he hears. You have what it takes. Your place is secure in this household. I believe in you. And when he senses from his wife that that she believes in him, the result is he goes out into the world with confidence. I heard one pastor put it this way. A man can, can know every other thing in every other area of life is struggling, but if he knows his wife has his back, he goes out into the world with confidence. A wife has that kind of power. And Proverbs speaks to this repeatedly. Proverbs 27, 15 warns, a quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof and a rainstorm. Ladies, those are not my words. I promise I would never have the courage to say that. Okay, I would never do that. But this is King Solomon. He, sa he says, a quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof and a rainstorm. Now, what does this mean? Well, in the ancient world, you'd build houses by having wood beams for the corners of the house, and then you'd have thatched reeds on the rooftop with leaves on the rooftop and a big rainstorm would come down and there would be steps carved into the edge of the house out of clay such the man would go up on top of the house and fix that leak with a clump of mud and then what would the leak do it moved to another spot and you go fix that and move to another spot such that it feels like i can never get ahead this leaky roof I can't ever do enough. And that's Solomon's metaphor. Some men feel that way. Not in this church, of course. But some men feel that way. I feel pushed down. I don't feel propped up. But he contrasts that with Proverbs 12, 4. He says, an excellent wife is like the crown of her husband. An excellent wife is this most beautiful thing, the most treasured possession that a king would have is his, proud, is his crown. And of course, it doesn't mean here that a wife is a possession. It's this idea that my, my, most, my most treasure, the greatest treasure I could possibly imagine is my wife. She's my crown. And she's not excellent. Proverbs isn't saying she's not excellent because she's a type A organizer, excellent supreme like that. She's excellent because she's known for her noble character. And she builds me up in the city square. She props me up. She makes me feel stronger than I actually am. She, she respects me. Shanti Feldhahn wrote a book titled For Women Only. And I obeyed her and did not read it. But, 
in that book, I, I find a little summary. Cliff notes are good. I find a little summary in which she surveyed 1,000 1, men. And she said, men, choose one. Would you choose, number one, to be alone and unloved? Or would you choose, number two, to be inadequate and disrespected? And 74% of married men said they'd rather be un, unloved and alone than to be disrespected or to feel inadequate. A three-to-one ratio. In fact, many men responded that they couldn't even distinguish between the two in the question because for them to feel disrespected was equal to being unloved. So here's the blueprint that God would give to us. As that passage goes on to say, it's like rottenness in the bones. It's like cancer to the bones for a man to consistently feel disrespected. And so the blueprint that God would give us instead comes from Genesis 3, and it goes to Matthew 19, and to Mark 5, and to Ephesians 5. And the reason we call it a blueprint is because it's found in four or five different places throughout the scriptures. And the blueprint is really, really simple. It's this clear statement of what God would invite us to for our marriage relationships. You'll see it up here out of Ephesians 5 on the screen. Would you please read this out loud together with me, both here in the auditorium and the venue. Please join me from Ephesians 5. A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. All together now? Let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. They were shouting that out in the venue. In the auditorium, we didn't have many readers here. The words were not right on the screen? Okay, we're going to get that right. We're going to get that right for second service. Okay, let, let me read it out loud for you. A man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. Shall hold fast to his wife. Shall leave all others and cleave to his wife. That, that he says, I'm one with you spiritually. I'm one with you emotionally. I'm one with you Materially, I'm one with you financially. I hold fast to you alone. I cleave to you. I abandon all others and I become one flesh with you sexually. This is the marriage blueprint. Then it goes on to say, but a wife must love, excuse me, a wife must respect her husband and a husband must love his wife. A wife must respect her husband and a husband must love his wife. Now, it's not that these are contradictory. It's not that a man doesn't also need love and a woman doesn't also need respect. We both need both of these. But there's something written on the fabric of our hearts from our God that a man just wilts when he's disrespected. And a woman just wilts when she doesn't feel like her husband is willing to be sacrificially loving to him. Say, it's not about me, it's not about my will, but I'd like to know your will and, and, and to look out for your interests rather than my own interests. And so that's the word for husbands. I've already heard the word for wives, but husbands, though, this is your word. Husbands, protect your marriage by offering loving presents to your wife. Not presents with a T, but 
loving presence to your wife. In other words, husbands, do not neglect your wives. There's so much in Proverbs about this issue because it seems to be part of the way that a man's human nature is tattered. Husbands tend to neglect her. Husbands can tend to neglect the kids. Husbands can go into their own private world because they are so busy. And Proverbs again says this, Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. And we've all known men who wander physically. And we've also all known men who wander from the home emotionally. And they're constantly at work, even when they're not at work. And we've all known men who wander to their hobbies. And all they can think of is their hobbies and their adventures. And I'm certainly guilty of some of this. I, I can be guilty of taking way too much work home, and Susie can see it as my work wheels are churning in my brain at the dinner table. There was a time uh, four or five years ago that uh, I went on Sunday night to a CU Buffs basketball game. Please forgive me in advance. <laughs> then on Monday night, I went to my own intramural basketball game, rec center basketball game. Then on Tuesday night, I had elder board mean, which of course I have to be at. That's not a choice. But then on Wednesday night, I made another choice. And I told Susie I'd be going to the Denver Nuggets game that night. And I didn't ask her. I told her. And I noticed a day later, she was sad. I could see it in her face. And I said, honey, what's wrong? I was a little bit slow. And she said, it just seems like you're choosing basketball instead of us. And it wasn't nagging. It wasn't disrespectful. She had thought about it. She had processed it. It was truth. It was gentle. And it pierced. And I had to reckon with that. To what extent was I choosing to neglect my wife and my boys for a silly little ball? Here's the deal. To emotionally, to emotionally neglect our partners is, is to fail, to sacrificially be the loving leader that God has called us to be. So I'd like to suggest for all the men who are willing to work on it that you take note of these four different ways, very simple ways, to offer the gift of presence to your wife. Gentlemen, if I can give you a word of advice, if you're sitting anywhere near your wife right now, take notes, okay? They're taking note of whether you're taking note. <laughs> First, guys, let, let's give real answers to heartfelt questions, okay? When she asks, how's your day? How's that difficult meeting that you've been planning for? Uh, won't cut it, okay? No, okay, won't cut it. She wants to know what's going on in your world, she, she wants to be invited in. She doesn't want to hear about what's going on in your world from your friends or from your coworkers. She wants to hear what's going on in your world from you. And when you choose some give and take in your relationships, such that you share some of the vulnerabilities related to your job or your friendships, share to open up to what's really going on in your world 50 hours a week at the job, that really speaks affirmation. It says, I value your insight. I care about you, and I want to be present well with you. And then there are 
turns into this reciprocity back and forth of listening to each other around those things. And that's where the good stuff of relationship really happens. That's where our relationships begin to develop the safety of being stitched together a bit more. Second, offer to help. Offer to help with the dailies. When we offer to help around the house with the daily chores, whatever they might be, it says to our wives, I'm with you, and I know how much you do to take care of this house. I know how much, I see how much you do to take care of these kids, and I can't even imagine how much you do that I don't even know about. When we offer to help beyond what we are expected to do, or beyond what we sometimes have defined that we will do in the home, it shouts to our wives, I affirm what you do. Thank you for all that you do. It, it offers that gift of presence. I, I mean, guys, could you imagine doing what our wives do to keep the home together? No way. We couldn't do it. Third, you want to express your loyalty regularly. This is part of offering the gift of loving presence. Do we consistently look for ways to tell her that we will be loyal to her forever? Even if we've failed in the past, that we are loyal to you from this day forward and you can begin rebuilding trust from this day forward. That I love you and I still love you and I'm only for you and I only have eyes for you and I'm a one woman kind of man. We say these words to one another to affirm loyalty to each other. I'm for you and for you alone. And I have heard guys, well, I've already told her that. Guys, that won't do. She needs to hear it again and again. We, freak, we frequently speak, speak that as often as possible. I love you and I'm for you. And, and my loyalties are only for you. And I, I guard my eyes against lust and flirtation. And, and fourth, uh, schedule one-on-one -on -one time. She wants time together, and that's a righteous, godly desire. We don't say as men, we'll see, I don't know. We schedule time together. Early on in our marriage, our scheduled plan was every other Thursday night, Susie and I would go on a date together. And those dates became beautiful oasises for our marriage. And we didn't have a lot of money, and so frequently those dates were as simple as going out for coffee or going on a walk. You don't need to spend a lot of money on a date, but just spending time together, reconnecting in a deep way. And, and we did that every couple weeks, every other Thursday for a number of years. And then these two little rugrats got in the way, and they interrupted all of our best plans. And at the moment that we most needed to keep those dates, we ditched them. And that was a terrible decision that had negative effects on our marriage and, and left us feeling a little bit tattered at the seams. And, and I didn't know how to get back to that one-on-one -on -one time that we had before. And so I asked a man that I really respected who continued to have this beautiful love affair with his wife even as his kids grew up and moved out of the house and they grew into godly, healthy young men and women and, and, and they're just wonderful young adults right now. And, and so whenever he'd speak about marriage, I always wanted to listen to, to what he said. And so I, I asked him, how did you guys maintain your one-on-one -on -one time when your kids were young? You had three little kids. How'd you do it? And, and he said, this was our routine. This was, this was my promise to my wife. I'd work really, really hard. He was an engineer at Ball Aerospace. Work huge hours. Come home at 6, 6.30 at night and he'd hug and kiss the kids. And the routine that they worked out is after hugging and kissing the kids, 
he would put them on the floor and they would get out their books and they knew that this was their time, their routine to have their books, their coloring books, their games out for the next 15 or 20 minutes while this man and his wife sat on the couch every day for 15 or 20 minutes having one-on-one time connecting about their days before they ate dinner together. And, and I was like, man, I thought this is the stuff that was just written in Christian books to make everyone feel guilty. Yeah, I mean, you guys actually did this? Yeah. He actually did that. And why did he prioritize that so much? Because he wanted his kids to know that the most important relationship was not with them. The most important relationship was with his bride. He understood what Proverbs tells us. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. And so he said, I'm going to guard this beautiful gift that my good God has given to me. She's not perfect and neither am I, but we are going to guard one another. And I'm going to steward this beautiful gift that God has given to me. Because he who receives a wife finds what is good and receives favor far from the Lord. And she who receives a husband receives favor far from the Lord. And so we're going we're gonna to work on this. We're going to fight for our marriage. We're going to commit to the gift of presence for one another. And, and if you take nothing else with you, men, I, I pray that you take this simple line. If you're going to be a loving leader for her, you protect your marriage by providing the gift of presence. And wives, if you are going to protect your marriage, you, you protect it by propping him up, by building him up to be all that God has intended him to be. Will you commit on working on your marriage with me over these next weeks? Would you commit to it? I pray that you will. It'll have to go way beyond this series. have to go way beyond anything that I can provide from up here. So let's ask our God for help. Gracious God in heaven, how we thank you that uh, you've given us so many wonderful gifts. And uh, we acknowledge that sometimes we take for granted the most beautiful gifts that you give us. For many of us in this room, for many of us in the venue, you've given us the gift of a husband or a wife. And, and we acknowledge to you, Lord, that's a wonderful gift. We receive favor from you. We receive grace from you. And so we want to steward it well. Lord, some of us are just living in, in parallel lives right now, parallel universes right now, and so uh, we would need to confess that to you at this moment, that our marriage isn't what we want it to be, and so we ask for your help. Father, would you please help us to persevere? Would you please help us to commit today, to embrace the fact that it will take a great deal of work? Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we do not do this work on our own. For we come before a father, we come before his son, we come before his spirit, who offers to help us in our time of need. And so for any of us in this room today, including me, I would say I need your help in my marriage. I want to be a better husband. God, would you give us your help? Would you give us your help? Would you grant us the courage to fight for this beautiful gift? Would you grant us the courage to forgive where we need to forgive? Would you grant us help 
that we might realize the beautiful gift that you've intended for us. God, I do pray for those who are coming off of a difficult marriage, those who would like to be married in this room and are not, that you would be their comfort at this hour as well. That perhaps there would be something in this message that would be for them in the future, or maybe an application of this message that you would use out of them for someone else that they know. And Lord, we, we avail ourselves to you with that as well. Thank you, God, for receiving our prayers. Thank you for your love for us. We give you all glory in Jesus' name. Amen.